So I already know that we'll have an awesome episode and a great day because today when I was cooking breakfast, I had my phone mounted on those, you know, there's a thing that lets you put your phone on flat surfaces and kind of stick your phone to flat surfaces. And it was stuck to my kitchen cabinet. But I guess the rubberized thingy that sticks got dirty, so it fell, and it fell in my frying pan when I was making myself over <laughs> easy eggs. No! So I took it out immediately, um, and it's fine now, it seems, but I almost fried my iPhone, meaning not like overcharged it or anything, I just literally fried it in a frying pan. Oh no! <laughs> Yeah, like, so nothing we can say or do in this episode is going to be worse than frying your iPhone, right? Well, let's let's not make us any promises. In the times of brick phones, Tamagotchis, and curtain bangs, the 90s kids cried out for a badass. She was Xena. The warrior princess, the kicks, the moves, the nostalgia, the queerness. Xena made us gay. Hey. Hi, everyone. I'm Chris. Hi, I'm Alice. And you're listening to Xena Made Me Gay. Woo-woo. Yes. And right off the bat, you have a banter topic for us. Yeah, so this is something that I've been wanting to cover for a while now, ever since I watched an interview with Carl Urban, who in that um, interview was kind of recapping his career, you know, those those videos on, on YouTube that get recommended to you over and over again with random celebrities uh, going through their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I watched his because I was curious about what he would say about Xena. And he said that Xena essentially laid a lot of groundwork for New Zealand film and television workers and uh, industry generally to be able to then later go on to make the Lord of the Rings movies mm-hmm. and to, to make them as well as they did winning 600 Oscars for <laughs> each one. And so we've talked a little bit about uh, actors who who were on, on Xena who made it big in some way, but I think it's also fair to, to mention the crew members that did the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did a little bit of, of research, not not too much of it. And of course, the Lord of the Rings connection is the the strongest one. So, for example, uh, Nyla Dixon, who worked on Xena for years as a costume designer, ended up Mm. winning the Academy Award for uh, costume design work on Lord of the Rings, along with um, another colleague of hers, uh, which is which is really cool. Mm -hmm. But of course, there were other people on the crew who ended up doing other cool shit not related <laughs> to uh, the Lord of the Rings. Um, obviously, the big one would be Liz Friedman, who yes, wrote, <laughs> yes, uh, who wrote and produced uh, for Xena kind of pretty early in her career, and 
later she ended up working in the same capacity on house on orange is the new black although just one episode um and jessica jones so yeah she she's had a very illustrious career in in tv and also at, at least with orange is the new black pushing lesbian agenda which we like <laughs> on the general public right <laughs> i mean so yes because because it was just one episode i don't know um how much of a say she's mm. had in in that regard but it was the pilot as far as i remember so pretty important one the the one that got the the series picked up then uh, aside from liz friedman there are a few others um the one i wanted to mention was uh, terence winter i've never heard that name before uh, but um uh, he was one of the writers on Xena and that was actually one of his first ever hmm. TV writing gigs. And so that guy went on to write for the Sopranos and then to create Boardwalk Empire. Wow. Not bad. Not That's bad. bad. <laughs> Do you know uh, which episodes he's credited in? On the Sopranos? No, I mean in, on Xena. Oh, um, I don't, but that would be quite easy to look up. I think he he worked on Xena for a while. Yeah, I'd be curious to see whether any of those that we've covered already been written by him. So, <laughs> Cradle of Hope. All right, not his best work. <laughs> <laughs> he was just starting out. He was just starting out. Uh, and then one episode in season two and one episode in season three. So we can see whether he's gotten better over the years. We'll, we'll track his progress as we keep um, reviewing episodes here. We'll put a gold star near his name if the episodes in season two are any better. But overall, I would say I imagine that that's such a cool gig for a writer to work on Xena Warrior Princess. It was right because anything could happen in this show, as opposed to a lot of the shows that are pretty monotonous. And you're like, oh, this is family drama, and family drama is happening every day. What else can we do here? It's like right. the sky is the limit. <laughs> anything. Can yeah, happen on yeah. Xena. You you don't need to worry about any restraints in terms of historical accuracy no. <laughs> like you don't need it to be in like e really any particular historical period uh <laughs> from pretty much ancient egypt to medieval europe times <laughs> as long as you land somewhere there you're pretty much okay so yeah th i think the budget constraints must have been the most important thing, but in terms of what specifically you want to happen, just go for it. Yeah. It doesn't need to be realistic. You can have any kinds of supernatural elements that you want. You can play with genre. It can be super dramatic and serious. It could be super funny. Uh, it could be a parody. Yeah. Like really a cool gig. <laughs> Anybody else that you want to mention? The people I focused on in the little research that I did were mostly quite high up in the in the hierarchy, I suppose, of the TV production and um, film production crews. But mm -hmm. I imagine if you go a little bit down to like 
gaffers, best boys, dolly operators, um, electricians. Mm-hmm. That's where you will get even more overlap because yes, you can obviously import writers from Hollywood. You can get someone to design costumes for you who usually works, I don't know, in other countries, but when it comes to this more um, hands-on work on the movie set, you kind of want locals. And I think Mm -hmm. in that respect, there are dozens and dozens of people who who ended up working on, on really, really big productions that I just didn't end up getting to because uh, (laughs) there's just so many. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And like, in regards to that, I also did a quick search and I came across the article that basically said that um, Xena Warrior Princess put New Zealand on the map as the destination to go to when you want to film cool fantasy films. And I think that that's pretty much true. And yeah, the most important one is Lord of the Rings that we all remember. And that's a major one because um, the nature in this imaginary land that means so much to so many people should be spectacular, should have been spectacular. And like they achieved that uh, in picking New Zealand, but also Chronicles of Narnia Mm. was filmed there, King Kong 2005. So anytime we need absolutely breathtaking scenery in a fantasy movie. Basically, New Zealand was um, the place to go. And who knows if that would have been the case if not for Xena Warrior Princess. Yeah, and uh, of course, all of that is not only good. There are a few a few issues with uh, such an influx of of Hollywood productions as well. Uh, if you if you have a spare hour or two, I strongly strongly recommend you watch Lindsay Ellis's documentary on YouTube about um, the effect that Lord of the Rings specifically had on the New Zealand um, film production industry. Definitely. Some important points made there. Mm. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into that topic because we're we're gonna get even further and further away from from Zena here. But uh, yeah, strongly recommend that you check it out. Yeah, shout out to Lindsay Ellis. Yeah. And with that, I think we can get to the episode. Yes. Uh, so today we are talking about episode eleven. It's called "The Black Wolf." So again, we have uh, a slightly more mysterious title. It's unclear from the title what the episode is going to be about. Is there going to be an actual wolf involved? <laughs> oh, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there will be howling. That is, that is for sure. Um, but <laughs> uh, spoiler alert: an actual wolf will not be featured. So we start the episode at some random village where a soldier is taking some poor guy's last money, suggesting that if he's struggling so much to pay up, maybe he should just stop being poor. Yeah, and the soldiers even suggest that the guy should push his wife and his daughter onto the streets to make some money. So we know that those guards are real pieces of shit right away. Oh, yeah. And then suddenly, a dozen ninjas appear. (laughs) 
That's how you know you're watching Xena. Yep. A random ancient Greek village. <laughs> and suddenly, a dozen ninjas. Um, so, yep, they appear out of nowhere. And we say ninjas not because... Not only because of the moves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like they are... If, if you think of a ninja, like imagine your st stereotypical ninja and how that person is dressed. <laughs> this is exactly what those people are dressed like. Yep. So I think there is no other way to call them. So they appear out of nowhere and then they defeat all of the soldiers. They tell the soldiers to give an amulet with a, with a wolf's head um, to Cersei's and say that it's from the black wolf. Then they return the money to the poor guy and they speak very, very politely and properly to him. It's, it's kind of cute. Sir, this is your money we believe belongs to you. Bye-bye. Have a nice day. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but um, I wanted to focus on the amulet for a second because we can see, as you mentioned, the wolf's head carved out and it's a pretty good work. So we're dealing with a vigilante crew with some awesome merch game. Yes, and uh, you would think that this is just a passing comment, but actually... <laughs> merch will be a surprisingly important <laughs> element of the episode <laughs> merch is always important <laughs> yes yes but you know sometimes you're like ancient greece and merch how how uh, strong of a connection are we gonna get <laughs> between these two topics and the, the answer is a very strong one yeah um we then see that some fancy military dude we assume that's cersei's um, comes to the village and tells the villagers that if they don't give up the black wolf, he will kill them. And then we get a cute little homage to Kirk Douglas's Spartacus, where a bunch of villagers step out and they say that they are the black wolf. So they all get arrested and then more threats to kill the villagers follow just for good measure. Mm -hmm. I really like this homage. Um, it has been used quite a lot in uh, shows and movies throughout the Hollywood history, but yeah, it still works very well here. And also I wanted to point out that this guy, Cersei's, he really looks very Roman to me. He has this fancy mm -hmm. helmet, um, and I, I'm kind of assuming that maybe he's like Roman coded or like he just spent some time with the Romans in the Roman Empire thinking about the Roman Empire. <laughs> I think about the Roman Empire quite a lot, actually. Wow. <laughs> Moving on, sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> we then see Xena ride her horse Argo through this beautiful field and Xena notices that she and Argo both need new shoes so they ride into a village and it turns out to be the same village that that we saw earlier in the episode and in this village Xena notices a mother pleading to go see her arrested daughter and the soldiers obviously deny her that the one of the soldiers shoves the mother to the ground. So Xena immediately runs up to him and gives him the signature Xena quip. Uh, she says, you like shoving women around so much? Try me. 
<laughs> As a kid, like I remember reading some stupid little article about how at first when girls fall in love with boys, they fantasize about being saved by them. And I could never relate oh. to, to this article. Yeah, it, as I said, very, very stupid little article. <laughs> but, yeah. but even then, I think I read it when I was maybe 10 years old or something. I couldn't relate to it because in my fantasy, it was always I that did all of the saving. And I was like, that's, that's, not, that's not how it happens. This is weird. And so it was, <laughs> it's nice to see that Xena is providing some fantasy material of that kind as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I really love it every time Xena does something like that. And once again, I keep watching and keep thinking how Xena Warrior Princess is ahead of its time because uh, doing some rewatch of the 90s and early 2000s shows and movies, there are a lot of cringy moments there, especially connected to how female characters are depicted. But no, Xena holds up and gives those positive examples to little girls still <laughs> even though those little girls are now grown up so i love it so um the soldiers try to attack xena and of course she kicks their asses super easily and immediately goes to the mother that they shoved and it turns out that they know each other even though they haven't seen each other in 10 years so the mom catches Zena up on the latest gossip and mentions that her daughter Flora is uh, actually one of the people arrested and that Flora is madly in love with a, with, with a black wolf guy. So Zena promises to rescue Flora. Yeah, help me unpack this. They mm -hmm. haven't seen each other in 10 years. So does that mm -hmm. mean that this village is nearing Amphipolis, the home village to Xena, like the home, the village that Xena grew up in? Or is it somewhere Xena went to summer camp? Like, how old is Xena now? Like, Lucy Lawless is 27 at the time that the first season was filmed. I would assume that Xena is also around her age. So 10 years ago, she was 17. So was she friends with the mother or was she friends with Flora, and she was like an older friend to her. Are we supposed to believe that Zina is more like 37? She's, she already had murderous warlord career path. So, I don't know. I, I'm confused here. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't think Zina is any particular age. <laughs> okay. I think that's the only way we can conceptualize her, is that she is... Around. Kind of still <laughs> young-ish, but she's had a very long life. <laughs> um, and in terms of the relationships to the mother and to Flora, it seems that Xena was somewhere in between the two ages, so she wasn't really close enough to the mother in age to be the mother's friend. And she was more like an older sister mentor. Um, Asshole. For Flora. Asshole, <laughs> as we later find, find out. Oh my God. I, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I don't think there's any answer to how old is Zena that will make any sense 
if you take her whole life into account like it's it's impossible i mean fair enough she it's strongly alluded that she's a demigod so i guess that she can live for years and years and years and not get old but that that bit i found a little confusing anyway oh yeah so then we see the castle of uh cersei's where he's throwing a tantrum about how the black wolf rebels still haven't been captured and he's planning for their execution to be the main entertainment at the upcoming feast of zeus so what the fuck i want to talk a little bit about the lighting and the general setup of this particular scene because it seems that the showrunners were inspired by the spartacus movie not only in the i'm spartacus scene but also this whole scene and in a way this whole episode is an homage to those old hollywood peplum flicks because the lighting is very similar like this setup this dungeon setup is very similar even the way this older actor who plays cersei's delivers his lines is a little similar to those peplum movies so i I enjoyed that oh yeah yeah interesting um so the the sidekick then suggests that they just execute some randos and say that they executed the black wolf because not nobody will know Mm -hmm. and then suddenly the black wolf will know (laughs) xena says and emerges uh, out of nowhere so she wasn't in the scene before and suddenly she emerges um (laughs) holding the helmets of two of the castle guards uh, who she says are sleeping now yeah it was such a great bit she's like oh don't bother the deers they're sleeping now (laughs) (laughs) love it so xena tells uh cersei's not to kill randos because that will just create martyrs and cersei's is like um and who are you (laughs) and it's interesting and a bit weird to me that he doesn't know like from what we can tell xena was quite famous in her conqueror days and how many other badass women warriors are out there that he doesn't put two and two together Mm, he wouldn't know he was in rome for the last 20 years getting his roman education so (laughs) yeah but as we know xena hung out in rome as well wouldn't they know her Well, at least Caesar knows her, but we'll get to that in season two. Okay, okay. This is my. This is what I'm trying to say. Xena was the Roman Empire of the Roman Empire. Everyone <laughs> thought about Xena in the Roman Empire at least once a day. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> How it can be that Cersei doesn't know her is a mystery. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Xena gives an amazing answer to, to Xerxes, who, who asks, asks her about who she is. She says, I'm Xena. I'm a problem solver. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love this. And this could have been a great moment to do our regular segment about how Xena has influenced all pop culture ever produced in its aftermath. But I think here we may have an inverse example. So kind of Ooh. similarly to, to the, the, Spark- the Spartacus bit, 
where it was Spartacus that influenced this this episode. And I feel like I found another influence. Mm -hmm. So the way Xena introduces herself sounds extremely similar to how a character in Pulp Fiction introduced himself. And that's in the past. So that episode aired in uh, 96. Pulp Fiction is 94. And the last name of the Pulp Fiction character who introduces himself like that? Wolf. Yeah. Similar, you know? Coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Xena says that for 10,000 dinars and a new pair of boots, which it's is a nice the touch. cutest, the cutest <laughs> little thing, um, she can offer a serve while in jail, like ha basically having infiltrated the, the people that were arrested. Cersei's accepts. Yeah, yeah, but also Cersei seems entertained by the whole notion and Again, Xena is a very authentic baddie, and she always asks for outrageous amounts of money for her services, and that makes her baddie persona very convincing. And Cersei seems convinced. He laughs at her little joke about a new pair of boots, so he's really charmed by her, it seems. Um, yeah, and then uh, Cersei says... Uh, Cersei's... Uh, uh, fuck how to I, I have trouble with this guy's name I also don't like it yeah um, then his head of the guards sidekick is scolding his soldiers um, that they got their asses handed to them by Xena basically and he assures them that he'll show how a real soldier handles a woman and Gross. also yep and also he adds that he has a man on the inside and that is also going to be important for later yeah, um, so then Xena does get arrested uh, in the village square, but not before she super easily kicks the shit out of the guy arresting her. It's it's a really great entertaining scene. I don't think we can do it justice by just describing what happens because the guy just keeps getting more and more exasperated at how difficult Xena is making it <laughs> to get her arrested. And she's like, well, you want this to be convincing, don't you? Yeah, yeah, it's really satisfying to watch how he, she's just, she's not even fighting, she's just having fun. At some point, she just throws him against the wall, picks him up and throws him against the wall. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's really cool. Then we finally see Gabrielle, who Yay. doesn't make an appearance until, until now, who asks the blacksmith about where Xena is, and the blacksmith first makes Gabrielle pay for Argo's new shoes and then tells her that Xena has been arrested. Gabrielle is like, oh, but how do I visit her? And the blacksmith tells her that the only way is basically to get arrested herself. Yep. And here I was wondering why Gabrielle and Xena separated in the first place. But anyway, it's nice to see that Argo and Gabrielle are getting along because Gabrielle seems to be very happy to see Argo. She gives her a very gentle pet uh, when she sees her and um, then she goes on her merry way and it seems that she has a plan and we're going to see it. Oh dear lord, yes. <laughs> so we then see the inside of the prison. They call it the dungeon, which I just find a bit silly so i i will keep calling it a prison <laughs> and inside of this prison there are lots of 
colorful characters, let's say. Yeah. Uh, so we see Xena walk in. She immediately establishes herself as the top dog. Obviously. And then she finally, <laughs> yes, of course. And then she finally gets to the Black Wolf people. And at first they're very suspicious of her, but then Flora recognizes her. And Xena is like, you've grown up. And Flora's like, you've grown legendary. Aww. <laughs> that's, that's a really cute little exchange. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Then we get one of the most iconic scenes from Xena ever. Like, I think few, few moments from Xena have become this, this famous. Uh, because Flora introduces Xena to everyone and, and says that Xena was the one who taught her both to swing a sword and to embroider. Mm -hmm. And the black wolf guy who seems to be behaving kind of like a leader is like, you embroider? <laughs> Which Xena responds, I have many skills. Aww. I mean, a masterpiece of a conversation. That's true. And she's going to repeat that phrase a lot throughout the series, but I think you're right. And that's the first time Xena says it. So it's important. Um, I'm still wondering how old Xena was when she was giving her sword swinging and embroidery lessons, but we'll never know. Yeah. I mean, I think your, your estimate of like late teens is about right. Mm. But I think maybe what what we can do is we, we can say that, okay, it was 10 years ago. And so mm. Zena was in her late teens. And Flora was like eight, I guess, like eight or seven. I think a bit, a bit uh, older, maybe 10. Maybe, yeah. Because here she's like 20. Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, and... Um, so that age calculation does sort of apply. But then we have to say that the, the next 10 years that went kind of normally for everyone else, Xena lived like at least three years per year. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she, um, she managed to go back to her home village. Her home village is being attacked. Then she becomes a warlord. Then she conquers all the neighboring villages. Then she becomes one of the most famous warrior women. She also does a lot of traveling. She goes to China at some point. In Greece and the nearing regions. And then she has this path to leaving the Republican Party and become a good gal. So a lot. <laughs> um, so we then come back to Gabrielle, who is walking through the village market when she gets grabbed by a scarily enthusiastic guy asking her about whether she's interested in purchasing any Black Wolf merch. There it is. We told you. <laughs> we told you. Merch is important in this episode. Um, so the guy that grabs Gabrielle is uh, Salmonius. He's going to be a recurring character, even though I actually thought that he makes more appearances on Xena than he does. I looked up the actor on IMDb and he only 
does four Xena episodes, but he did a whopping 22 on Hercules. So that's why, you know, by the time I saw him on Xena, I was like, oh yeah, I know this guy. I've seen him so many times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, he will make a few more appearances on Xena as well. He's more of a Hercules, the legendary journeys character, but I still really love him. I think I love him more now upon my adult rewatch. I was kind of met about him the first few times I watched episodes with him. He was just kind of like a comic relief character, but now it seems that he's one of the very few gay-coded characters in Xena Warrior Princess. At least we we never find out anything about his love life, I think, but by the way, he holds himself and some of the innuendos that he says, I kind of would assume that we can at least say that he's queer adjacent. And we're going to see more of that in the upcoming episode, Miss Amphipolis. <laughs> he is a little bit queer coded for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like in, in a way that a few Disney villains are, are queer coded, like there, there's nothing specific that he does that's homosexual, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Remember guys, where at the beginning of this episode, which for you was just like 30 minutes ago, and for us was a long time ago, I said that I dropped my phone into the frying pan with my morning eggs. And I said that after that, nothing worse is going to happen with my day. Well, guess what? Something worse happened. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, because I said that, I jinxed the universe. <laughs> And we lost big a big chunk of the footage of this episode. So just full disclosure, this is us re-recording uh, the second part of this episode. Um, anyway, Salmonius is very aggressively trying to sell shit to Gabrielle. Actually strongly grabbing her by the wrists as he's doing it. And um, one of the items he tries to sell is a bag, which he has branded a black wolf pack. And he's super proud of that one, which to be fair, to be fair, it, it is pretty good. It's a good, it's a good thing. And uh, yeah, really, we said that black wolf gang has a very strong merch game. And with Salmonius, it's game even better. Oh, yeah. So... We then realized that Gabrielle took the you have to get arrested to see Xena thing very literally because mm -hmm. she throws a tomato at a soldier <laughs> hoping that she would get arrested. Um, and she does pique the soldier's interests. Um, they get up and arrest Salmonius. Uh, she tries to explain that it was all her, but to no avail. Yeah, and she's very cute in this scene because she's genuinely upset that they went and arrested another person for what she did. And she is like, well, I did it. I threw the tomato. So she is kind of upset that 
the Salmonius kind of took the credit for her, her crime, but uh, she's not does not show any sort of remorse for an innocent person being arrested in her stead. No, no. Um, we then see the arrested gang as well, and um, Cersei sees <laughs> Cersei sees Cersei sees the sidekick <laughs> of Cersei <laughs> asks Xena to to step out. So she uh-huh. does, and the sidekick opens a door in the floor, kind of like a, a, a floor door. <laughs> anyway, uh, it leads to a tiny cell with two skeletons in it. And uh, the dude points at the cell and asks Xena what she sees. And Xena is like extremely not entertained. She gives him this exasperated look and is like, What's your point? Yeah, she's not <laughs> playing that game. <laughs> no. But she's then put in into that cell and a soldier pulls a lever and then the cell starts being filled with water. So they, they're going to drown her. Next, a, a very confusing sequence of events uh, takes place. So Xena dives in, even though she, she can still breathe if she just stands up, but she dives in. And for some reason, the soldiers are like, holy shit, oh no, oh, where is she? And they start <laughs> poking, poking in the water with their swords. And, I, and Zeta just grabs one of them and then uses that sword to destroy the door to the cell. Um, she, does, she then does her ululating battle cry underwater. <laughs> And jumps yeah. out of the cell so quickly, it's like she has a jetpack on. Um, it's yeah. it's glorious. So she she points the sword at the soldiers. They point spears at her. So there's this kind of a standoff, and they realize, oh, okay, I guess, whatever. And they all lower their weapons. They're like, no, we're we're not gonna drown you today. You're too entertained. <laughs> Doing your battle cry underwater. Yeah. But, yeah, I was also profoundly entertained by that notion. Also, it seemed that first Dina had a different plan because she dives in, she finds a bone or like picks a bone off of a skeleton or something. She looks as if she has a plan, like she was gonna escape <laughs> via that single bone or like use it as a weapon or something. But then they start poking swords in the water, and she's like, oh, they're idiots. Okay, yeah, then let me do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the sidekick reiterates that he wants the black wolf, and he he leaves with, with the soldiers. And so as they're leaving, Salmonius is kicked into the prison, uh, falling flat on his face right in front of Xena. <laughs> And so he notices her. <laughs> and then, like, as he's still on the ground, he, he notices he, he notices her feet and he, he, like, slowly starts getting up. And as he's getting up, he's like, those boots, that leather, those legs. And that kind of, <laughs> it, it mimics the way we gaze up Xena's body in the intro. It's very, very cute. Um, so obviously he recognizes her and she recognizes him. 
And uh, Salmonius is definitely the more excited one when it comes to that encounter. Yeah, yeah, it, it could have sounded sleazy, but for some reason it doesn't. Maybe because Salmonius is so obviously gay that we kind of <laughs> don't think that he's objectifying Xena. He's just genuinely admiring because everyone her knows gay men never objectify women in any way. I don't know. It, it kind of seems less sleazy, although maybe I just don't have experience with that. To, to judge. Yeah, working um, in the fashion industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have experience with straight men and yeah. <laughs> that, that's well, yeah, but there that's that's not a that's not a hot take. Yeah, that's true. Um but anyway, uh Xena then tells Salmonius that she has a job for him and it's impressive that she thought of a job for him in the whole three seconds that she saw that he's in the cell. Well, yeah, you know, she doesn't waste any time. No, no. <laughs> so, um, Zina walks up to Flora and is like, Okay, girl, you want me to get your whole gang out of here? I'll do that. I have a plan. It will work. And <laughs> your tunnel will not work. And Flora's like, What do you mean? What do you mean tunnel? What tunnel? What I, don't, tunnel? I don't know any tunnels. <laughs> what, what, what? <laughs> And so Zena's like, oh my god, okay. She walks up to the wall, demonstrates that she knows exactly where the tunnel is. And everyone's like, oh, okay. Um, and Yeah, the... they wanted to pull a Shawshank redemption, but it did not work. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And so the um, Flora's boyfriend is still very suspicious. And he rightfully points out that it makes no sense that Zena would get captured and so he suggests that she was planted there um, to get to the Black Wolf so he, he, he's not dumb um, and Zena recognizes that so she congratulates him on his intelligence <laughs> and, have a cookie uh, <laughs> yes 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 and uh, she tells him yes I indeed allowed myself to get captured but I did that in order to get Flora out, which is true. She doesn't mention yeah. that she also like told the other guy that she will get the black wolf, but you know, details. Um, <laughs> and the dude's like, eh, okay, 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 okay. I see. Well, I, I'm willing to listen to your plan. Let's let's say that. And meanwhile, Salmonius is uh, running the errand that that Zena sent him on. And he's asking another prisoner for his belt, even though he doesn't know why. He, he was just told to get as many belts as possible. And he's like, yep, got it. Let me go get the belts. And <laughs> when Zena tells you to get the belts, you go get the belts. Indeed. Um, indeed. <laughs> but yeah, he's successful in that. And I really like the technique that he uses to get everyone's belts. He's like, well, uh, that belt really ruins the line of the ensemble. <laughs> then, like, convinces a prisoner to give him his belt, which is which I thought was cute. It was cute, yeah, yeah. So um, Zena walks up to Flora, and they talk a little bit about why Flora is there. So Flora quotes something that Zena told her back in the day. So she qu quotes Zena back to her. So Flora then tells Zena that uh, Zena has always been good at reading people. 
and also kind of basically that she used to have a crush on Xena. Mm -hmm. Then the conversation takes a slightly strange turn because Flora kind of reminisces about how Xena used to be a total dick to her. (laughs) (laughs) She was. And, And Flora's like, why were you a dick to me back then? And Zena basically dodges the question and makes sexy eyes at Flora instead. <laughs> it's baffling. Yeah, it, it is, it is. But meanwhile, one of the colorful prisoners, um, because we, we saw a bunch of them running around, uh, we saw him before. It's the unstable dude obsessed with his rock, showing his rock to everybody. Uh, keeps going back and forth and again showing off his rock but the other prisoners pay no attention to this and they just tie ropes together so I guess that that's just uh, all about executing Xena's plan and uh, I wonder how the guards did not notice this craft club that is going on inside the cell but I guess they were not paying attention no they really weren't um, Salmonius comes back and says that he got a bunch of belts and ropes and also three proposals, which is in- interesting because yeah. like, pro- pro- did he mean propositions or proposals? I would assume that that means marriage proposals, like people yeah. ask him to be their prison wife, I guess. <laughs> cute question mark <laughs> I know, he he sounds genuinely excited and slightly terrified which i think is the correct response here yeah. <laughs> um so he then turns to the group and tells them that if the black wolf is interested in an agent to work on his image he's available He's even been doing a little bit of work already, so he has a slogan ready, and it is "Just Cry Wolf." Yeah, that's not his best work. The no. <laughs> the pack thing, the pack thing was better. Yeah, really I was. feel you, Salmonius. As, as a person who's been working in advertising industry for ten years, I I know what it's like. Aww. <laughs> Um, but yeah, also Salmonius has uh, Paul running on uh, who is the real black wolf, who is the real gang leader. And he says that the favorite is Flora's grumpy boyfriend, obviously. So yeah, Salmonius has been busy in, again, like a few hours that he's been in prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Then we see the soldiers walk into the prison. It's sometime later. They walk into the prison, but they don't see anyone. Um, seems like the, the prison is empty. Then everyone descends from the ceiling, which is where they were hiding. <laughs> sure. Um, they fight the soldiers and easily win. And Zena's like, mm, no, this was too easy, actually. And everyone runs out and... Of course, they're greeted by a bunch of people aiming arrows at them. So the prisoners are taken back, and Xena is taken to Xerxes. Mm-hmm. Um, we then see Xerxes practice fighting as his sidekick tells him that Xena at best failed and at worst betrayed him. 
And Zena explains that it was all part of the plan. <laughs> um, all part of the plan to, to find out who the black wolf was. So Zena asks the sidekick about who their man on the inside is, because clearly there is one. And they don't tell her. Um, and Zena just asks to be taken back in, and she is. Yeah, and again, it would seem that Cersei might have caught on to Zena's plan, but it seems that he is so genuinely amused by the way she's holding herself and by the way she talks and slightly turned on, as a lot of baddies are when they deal with Zena. So he's like, oh, I, I'll just, I just want to watch this woman work. I, I love it. He even alludes to the fact that she might take his sidekick's job if she succeeds with the Black Wolf mission, which, again, a guy can dream. <laughs> yeah. So the prisoners are, again, threatened with execution if they don't give up the Black Wolf. And um, we then see Salmonius being bullied for being Xena's friend. As Salmonius says himself, uh, we have more of a business relationship with Xena, but of course nobody believes him. Yeah. Um, Flora's boyfriend then says that Xena uh, wants to break their spirit and he decides to fight her. And Xena tries to convince him not to do it. She's like, dude, come on, like, this is not a good idea. <laughs> How about you just don't? But he's pretty sad on fighting. And as always, there's never any doubt when it comes to the fight's outcome. Yeah, yeah. But Zena does not humiliate this guy as much as she did the guy that she was fighting before they dragged her to prison. Um, but yeah, after that, Zena says that there are two people here that know that Zena is not the traitor. One is her and the other one is the traitor. But for now, we're left wondering who the traitor is. Then Gabrielle finally gets her wish to get to Xena by throwing a pie into a soldier's face. Yeah, I think it was not even a pie. It's like a plate of porridge. Oh, it's God. some goopy mess. But anyway, Gabby has such a devilish smile when she goes and executes her plan. She was just in a bad gal mood this episode. And yeah. Uh, also, as soon as Gabby is inside, uh, she's in the dungeon, finally getting arrested. She starts asking if anyone has seen Xena, and her description is absolutely priceless. She's like, she's tall, she's beautiful, piercing blue eyes, swings a mean right hook, which is pretty accurate description of Xena. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it really is. Gabrielle finds Zena and uh, she tells her that she's there to help. And also that she smuggled in Zena's chakram, and which she did in a relatively smart way. She hid it in her otherwise normal looking hat. And she also smuggles in Zena's whip, but that she does in the most obvious way possible. It's literally just wrapped around her waist a couple of times. Like... A statement belt like it's impossible not to notice that it's a whip yeah but also i don't think that the whip is being used so maybe the guards were just like ah we don't care 
Salmonius is then about to scream at Gabrielle for getting him arrested. And Zena is like, like, no, 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 Gabrielle's my friend. And the way Salmonius reacts makes it abundantly clear that he understands friend to mean girlfriend here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, also, Gabrielle tells him he wouldn't be in trouble in the first place had he kept his hands away from her tomatoes. <laughs> and Zena's face changes hilariously at that. Yeah, that's a, that's a very cute scene. And Salmonia says, I can explain that. And yeah, I just really love that little exchange. And again, it seems that there is kind of an indication that Salmonius is queer and he kind of understands about friends. But what came to me right now was this, and I, I don't know if that would make sense to anyone who doesn't speak German. I don't speak German, but I know that when you say my friend in German, that's like a girlfriend, right? And like when you say a friend, that's like a friend. So maybe maybe it's something like that in um, ancient Greek queer talk. Yeah, I mean, I have I have, I have a friend who's just who <laughs> ancient Greek. I should I should ask. Yeah. Um. So. Flora then talks to Zena again, and she tells her that she came up with a totally reasonable explanation for why Zena was addicted to her back in the day. It's because Zena wanted Flora to have faith in herself, which of course makes no sense. <laughs> uh, okay, sure, sure, yeah. girl, you tell yourself whatever you want. Yeah, I think that we should maybe mention that Zena was a dick to Flora by a bunch of them, like a bunch of friends climbing up like a tree, like a mm -hmm. tall tree, and Flora could not climb that tree, and Zena would extend her hand, and then as Flora would reach out, she would she would take her hand away in like the most dick move possible. And she'd be like, you should have faith. Great. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> and then Flora's like, I get it. Now now it uh -huh. all makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it seems like it's like years of therapy, ancient Greek therapy. And she kind of, <laughs> she relived her trauma. She grew. Her inner child is now totally appeased and she's sharing it with Zena and Zena was like what okay sure yeah <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> um so aside from that wonderful conversation um mm -hmm. they, they talk about another thing um because Zena tells Flora that she knows who the black wolf is and we immediately assume it's um Flora's boyfriend. It's not like said out loud, but it's been heavily implied the whole episode. Yeah, with the um, camera work also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Zena and the gang then capture the spy who was telling on them finally. Yeah, and they actually do it in a very clever way because they have Gabby and Salmonius spread misinformation about the plan. So this classic detective thing where you tell a bunch of lies to someone and then you wait 
uh, for those lies to kind of spread. And then you understand that like this person was um, spreading like this misinformation. So this person was spying on them and they say something ridiculous. Like uh, Xena wants all of us to like swim away in the sewers or like something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's something along those lines. Some something completely ridiculous, and I, I think that Gabby and Salmonius are having a ball talking about it. But surprise, surprise, it turns out to be an unstable guy with a rock who's the spy who was on the payroll from Cersei's the whole time. Yeah, and he was hiding the the messages in the rock. Like that's they they're like about to rough him up, but the guy calls the guards and they they just pull him out of the of the cell. So the next day, the soldiers come in, and they are in the mood for the water cell thing. So they decide, cool, let's do it again. And this time... (laughs) It seems like they're just... I mean... Pornhub was not invented yet. (laughs) So the water cell thing goes. Yeah, it seems like they, they have, like two two options like what do you want to do today do you want to like threaten them with execution or do you want to put someone in the water cell and they just keep alternating between the two they're like maybe we should think of something else it's super boring and everybody's like well the money is tight now so water cell thingy it is again yeah but but they they decide to at least like make it easier uh on themselves and just they decide to put (laughs) salmonius in it yeah and before they do that before they put salmonius in the water cell he makes the last attempt to kind of make himself um interesting or valuable to the guards and he claims that i'm the black wolf and he even tries to howl (laughs) to (laughs) sort of prove that he's the black wolf he looked cute when he was doing that, but we can immediately see that they're not buying it. No, no, unfortunately not. Um, then Xena steps out to kind of distract them, and she says, she knows who the Black Wolf is. And the guards are like, oh, okay. And she says it's Flora. Da-da-da! Da-da-da! Her boyfriend tries to protest, but Flora shuts him up. Cersei and Xena talk about the plan to execute Flora in the town square and about Xena's payment. Xena also says that she wants to watch the execution. (laughs) (laughs) Continuing with Cersei's um, sexual fantasy about Xena. So... In the meantime, Gabrielle is kind of trying to convince Flora's boyfriend that Flora being about to get executed is all part of Zena's plan. <laughs> and the dude is understandably skeptical, you know? Yeah. Um, Gabrielle is like, no, no, let me tell you. Like, this is what we're going to do. So she, she tells him the plan. And to the other prisoners too, in a way that we as an audience can't hear. So we just see that they're they're talking about something. And it also involves something with them holding their chains up. That's the, the only thing that we catch. 
So Flora is then brought into the square in this like cute witchy outfit. I, I'm mm-hmm. really into that. It's kind of like a cape. It's it's really cute. Um, but of course, just before she's executed, Gabrielle throws Zena's chakram to her, and Zena throws the chakram, and it cuts the executioner's weapon, and then bounces off and cuts everyone's chains. And then fighting ensues, and Zena kills Cersei's and kills the sidekick, and the rebels win, and they all howl in victory. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I love it when Chakram saves the day, being a magical creature that it is. Like, oh yeah, he like the Chakram he? flies and all the di- he she I don't know like. <laughs> Uh, this magical entity that's in the chakram flies in every direction and then it flies to the other continent and starts a revolution there and eats the rich <laughs> and makes eternal peace and then ricochets and comes back to Xena. <laughs> that's, like the, that's, that's just... That's pretty much how it works. <laughs> yeah, a standard day in, in the chakram's life. Yeah. So um, we then find out that it was Flora, actually, who was the Black Wolf. We were, we were led to believe it was the boyfriend, but no, it was, it was Flora. And uh, Flora is reunited with her mother, and uh, Zina is watching them and is visibly touched by that sight. Yeah, and it was kind of cute how Zena explains how she knew that Flora actually was the Black Wolf. She said that the grumpy boyfriend, as well as other members of the gang, were looking at Flora when decisions needed to be made. And actually, I think that upon rewatch, it really is there. And that's my favorite kind of uh, type of detective story, where all of the clues are there for us to catch. Like, really we could see everyone looking at each other, but pretty much everyone was looking at Flora subtly when decisions Mm. needed to be made. So yeah, I thought that that was a nice touch for the payoff. Um, And yeah, and another instance of kind of like a strong woman and not a damsel in distress and not a MacGuffin shown in our favorite show, which is always nice to see. So... How many chakrams are we giving this episode? Um, I'd say it was fairly strong. It, I, I don't have much to to complain about. It's it's not one of my favorites, but I I thought they did a pretty good job. So I think I would go with an eight out of ten. Eight, eight. The funny thing is that we already rated this episode and I have no oh, idea. I, I said eight. I said eight because I'm like looking at what the rating that I gave to it. Oh right, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I don't remember Do what to my rating you? was. <laughs> Let me first tell you now and then and then we'll see. I would also maybe give it an eight. I, I agree that it's not my favorite and it's pretty much it's sort of repetitive because it's all in one place, but the script is good. There are no obvious holes in the plot. I enjoy Salmonius's little prison adventures. So, yeah, an eight. Okay, that sounds dirty. <laughs> Three proposals. 
And three wedding nights. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's the um, fanfic version of the story. You, you did, in fact, give this episode an eight when we recorded this in September. <laughs> Almost two months ago. <laughs> See how consistent I am. I'm great. <laughs> All right. Um, that was an interesting experience that I hope we won't ever have to repeat again. But <laughs> it was a pleasure reviewing this episode twice with you. Um... So thanks for joining us and we will rejoin you soon to talk about episode 12 of season one called Beware Greeks Bearing Gifts. See you soon. Oh yeah. Bye bye. Bye.